11 was a very special age for me. It was like going through your midlife crisis, but I went through at the age of 11 rather than 40 or 50 because effectively I'd got into, you know, I mentioned to you, I'd got into distance running as well at that, that at the age of 11 as well. And again, it's interesting because that proved as a, a bit of a catalyst to kind of wanting to change my life in a way. Hello, and welcome to the Helping Organizations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. I'm pleased to say that this podcast is brought to you in association with Lodge Court, who are experts in HR support. Are you worrying about employee performance, absences, and leave? Are you struggling with attracting and retaining the best talent for your business? I personally know the people at Lodge Court, and they can support you with every people issue you may face. So, focus on what you do best and let LodgeCourt deliver your HR support as an extension of your business with a tailored, flexible monthly routine package that is right for you and your people. Please do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today, this morning, I have uh, Adam Strong uh, on the show. Good morning to you, Adam. Good morning, Julian. How are you today? I'm very well. Good to see you. And just going to let the audience know you, you are a business strategist, podcaster, a speaker, uh, as a keynote speaker, and author of the play, the game, how to win in today's changing environment. And you help elevate leaders to build and scale their, their business fast. And today we're going to be exploring, as we just mentioned before we came on the show, a lot, uh, but we'll see where we go about mental resilience, entrepreneurship, mindset, and mental hacks that can help you overcome. Uh, challenges and you've got some interesting backstories on all that I know. Um, before we get into that, I just want to ask, uh, what do you love about uh, what you do? What I love, what do I do? Um, I, I, I think for me is what, what I really love to help people, Julian, like genuinely and authentically love to help people. So, you know, I, I've got a passion for identifying, you know, what people are challenges people are going through and being in entrepreneurship from such a young age um at the age of 11 um it just gives me a real deep sense of happiness and sense of purpose you know what i mean so i think in 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 short answer to to your question is that's the real reason is is people actually make in and people that i enjoy working with um gives me that sense of fulfillment and going back to that when you were 11, I know the story, and uh, it's interesting because mm. I have a very similar story to that as well. When you oh, share yeah. that moment okay. where I um, I was six years old, I was with my brother doing it together. I was six and he was 10, and um, which is interesting, actually. So tell us that sort of flashpoint of when you that sort of sparked about sort of entrepreneurship. And mm. if you can reflect back on that, what, what, what was the spark that made you think, actually, I'm going to do this and felt this putting yourself out there and starting to generate some revenue, even at the age of 11. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I was actually reflecting this back on this this week. Um, I'd actually created a carousel. I don't know if you saw it on LinkedIn and broke the the journey down, but I give, give the audience um, just some context. So um, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth, basically as for most people, I guess, you know, entrepreneurship is a choice rather than kind of like a skill set um my background um as a young kid i um i lost my hair through alopecia uh, and this was mainly due to 
a number of different factors such as going through the foster care system my mum wasn't particularly well she um, she suffered and still suffers from um long-term depression um and and i just generally had a lot of um worries um at, at a very young age as most kids don't really experience this type of worry but i experienced a lot of um uh, a lot of worries uh, when i was young and um yeah and at the age of 10 i'd lost my hair through alopecia so i haven't had hair on my head for well over 30 years um me we, we can't share that same thing uh but yeah <laughs> mine, took, mine took a little bit longer to go but it is gone <laughs> yeah. it's gone it's gone, exactly um but yeah so i lost my hair at the age of 10 um and this was due to uncertainty and stress and worry and things like that and I'd, i was bullied a lot i'd suffered from asthma um from a very young age um still remember the times of when i was on the bus for example with my mum and just out of nowhere i'd end up having an asthma attack so you know pretty pretty darn serious you know mm. uh, and this was at the age of 10 um so and i was i was the kind of kid I was, uh, I was a very introverted type of character you know i kept myself to myself you know i i did fair i did try to enjoy school up until the point of like when i lost my hair i'd, I'd wear i wore a sports cap julian because i would i felt so ashamed about the way i looked but also i used to have a lot of kids that were uh, in a way that they were fearful because i was different do you know what i mean so they so they'd pick on me and they'd bully me and, and things like that um you know it's not particularly nice uh and then by the age, by the time of the age of 11 i was just a bit sick and tired of life honestly we lived in council house uh, or council flat third floor council flat in west london um lived off the stadium to have a large amount of money so mum was a single mum at the time and i got my brother as well but we didn't have a lot of money at all uh lived off the state some some weeks it was tough like we couldn't even afford bread and milk it was that tough uh and so you know life was wearing me down even after a year of like losing my hair and stuff like that you know like, you, you 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 can only take so much do you know what i mean you can only really take so much before you kind of like oh do you know what i mean it's like kind of one of those and you know and, when you are at the age of 11, you're going through your changes as well, puberty, things like, things like that. So, um, so interestingly enough, I, um, I, I don't know. I, I was walking through, um, I had this kind of like, call it an epiphany, if that's what you want to call it. But basically I was just out daydreaming, walking along, um, along well, I was in a nature reserve effectively. And they just out of nowhere started appearing, in the streams were, were these golf balls and i'm like huh that's interesting yeah and i didn't really think much of it really but then there was a local golf club um which was kind of like right next to um uh, the nature reserve which was separated between a long stream that went through the, the the boundary of the the golf club and so i thought to myself gave me an idea and then next day i decided to go back with the bucket um, just a normal plastic bucket and I, I essentially literally just jumped into these streams and started foraging through bushes to find these lost golf balls um and then um and i got approached um by two elderly gentlemen um in their early 70s running over and uh shouting out 
watch out you know watch out like because obviously the golf course and they, they didn't want to be seen as hitting a 10 11 year old boy in the head with mm-hmm. a golf ball would be a bit embarrassing um anyway they came over to me and they're like so so what are you doing here like you know you could have been seriously hurt i'm like well i find a lot of golf balls I'm like oh that's interesting um and then they looked into my bucket and um they're like yo you've got some decent balls here um and this was around hole 15, so about three, four holes um, left. Um, and most of these guys had a very high handicap, so they were amateurs more than more than professionals. Um, but effectively, <clears throat> they uh, then we got into the whole kind of like they he asked me, they're like, "Would you be interested in selling your golf balls?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." You know, and and so I remember quickly I started to learn more about the golf industry uh the importance of brand for example like i i pick up slazengers dunlops if you're a golf specialist these are like big brands and they would you know even for one golf ball these days it'll cost you like 12 15 pounds for a golf ball which is absolutely crazy um but <laughs> so we, this is how i kind of like got into sales and negotiation because they'd be like well i'll offer you two three quid here for this ball but i knew that mm. the ball would be worth excess of seven eight quid minimum and um, 15 pound retail so then we would um have this kind of back and forth sales and negotiation and um obviously uh we'd shake our hands I'd, I'd walk i'd walked home for the first time with a f- pocket full of pound coins um rallying and then i get interrogated by my mum thinking i'd done something wrong and then i told her the story <laughs> and she's like wow that absolutely blew me away and so I spent the majority of the weekends finding, uh, even after school, just finding those golf balls and uh, selling them on and, um, you know, giving a contribution to change our family fortunes effectively. So that's kind of like where where the resilience has started to kind of uh, develop, really. I mean, it's an interesting and it's an inspiring story, Adam. And it's it's um just uh, I remember myself doing something similar. Literally, we, my brother and I, I was six, he was ten, and mm. we were walking by a golf club and go and started to pick up these golf balls and literally sell them back to the the golfers. And we remember going out freezing cold during the winter, wellies on and everything else. And I can't remember even how much we sold them for. This was many many years ago, but started <laughs> and we did we did all sorts of little jobs like that and this sort of entrepreneurial sort of spirit was was born i guess mm-hmm. just just going back to do you think being interesting to understand from you about that that was the start of your journey and was it because of the, the the environment you were in or was it something you think you're born that way or circumstance or just talk me through your, your reflection on that of what made you think actually i'm going to go for this and take this opportunity mm. yeah it's a good question i think um <sighs> 11 was a very special age for me. It was like going through your midlife crisis, but I went through at the age of 11 rather than 40 or 50 um, because effectively I'd got into, um, you know, I mentioned to you, I'd got into distance running as well at, at that, at the age of 11 as well. And again, it's interesting because that proved as a, a bit of a catalyst to kind of wanting to change my life in a way. Um, so it wasn't just, the struggles of financial struggles uh, as a family, but also I was just a little bit sick and tired of life. Yeah. And it was just kind of like my stake in the ground thinking, you know, 
we've got to do things differently here. So I suppose in a way it was a bit of a catalyst mm-hmm. um, or an instigator to get things done a, a little bit. So, you know, I'd got into distance running actually about three months after I started my first vol- entrepreneurial journey. I, I got into entrepreneurial through um, – by accident if i'm honest with you it mm. was all through accident it wasn't through it was all through circumstance um it, and I suppose you know you have these epiphanies or these um or a, a message from the universe or whatever it is you know without getting too spiritual you know and it was kind of like messages from the universe saying you know you can change your fortune you can do something a little bit different just by doing this mm. um yeah, so I got into distance running about three months later. Um, and again, my background is I didn't really have a father figure around to encourage me or in, you know, so I didn't have those mentors, those coaches and those kind of like people that you could look up to, those role models. Mm. So I literally just got out of my comfort zone, turned up at the the athletic track and just literally said, hey, I'm interested in joining your running club. And they're like, okay, so what experience do you have? Um, not a lot. I had, I, I mean, I'm an asthma sufferer. Um, like what she is like, yeah. Um, so what do you want to do? I'm like, well, I want to do distance running. And so she walked us down, you know, without trying to say too much. And you have these judgmental, um, <clears throat> you have these judgmental perceptions of like where, I mean, the, the running, tr- the running club that I joined is like in the, it's like the premier league. You know what I mean? They were in the Premier League in the UK, and so they were one of the best clubs in in, in England. And um, yeah, my first interaction with uh, with my coach and where I met my um, what my met my uh, the the current world Olympic world champion Samir Farah. He was my training partner um, back then because he had originally come from Somalia. Similar, we you know we got bullied, both got bullied and things like that. So we we had this kind of similar background in a way. So we used that. Uh, I suppose we used that kind of experiences and played it against mm. each other in terms of healthy competition. But while everyone at my age, which was playing video games, and by the way, I love playing video games and stuff like that. Uh, I was out on a Tuesday, Thursday evening in the cold, minus five, minus seven temperatures uh in my shorts and t-shirt putting in the work you know and again i remember the running track itself um was all floodlit but we would always train on the grass which is Mm. at the back of the uh, running track but it had no light literally zero light so it was really dark in the winter and um and so it would be very boggy uh, you know, the grass hadn't been cut for months on end because it had been the winter time or whatever it might be. Uh, and again, this is where I feel like I started to build up that mental resilience because if I thought to myself, well, if I can, and, and, and again, I used running as a way to increase my confidence as a catalyst, but mm. also um, as a way to um, thought it, it you know, running and starting up my first business, you know, it helped me not just build confidence within myself, but it also helped me kind of like take perspective of thinking, well, if life can throw uh, that at me, then I can kind of like counteract and give it even better. Do you know what I mean? So those are, to mm-hmm. me, 
11 years was very special because it was those two life experiences that has um, really kind of helped me to become the person I am today. And you, you shared that you, you saw it as your midlife crisis point, which is is interesting at the age of 11, um, which, you know, sort of probably sums up where you were at and or what you've been going through and, and the troubles of you know, being bullied and everything else and difficulties uh, in the upbringing and everything else. Um, what advice would you give somebody who perhaps is facing that, whether you call it midlife, it could happen at any age, but where they're just feeling a bit like lost a little bit, bewildered with life a bit confused but what advice would you give based on your experience to help provide that clarity for the next step and how to go about that i think you have to really ask yourself a number of questions really um and really have a good chat to yourself which sounds really ridiculous I mean, we all talk to ourselves really and i'm sure we all do in secretly um but <laughs> but you know you're it rather than kind of letting the inner critic uh, get the best out of you is to really kind of ask questions to yourself and think to yourself, what's my purpose? What's the reason why I'm here? Or why am I here on this world, in, on this earth? You know, what is, why am I here? What is my service? Um, what is it I want to do with my life? You know, uh, and what am I, how am I bettering myself every day? You know, so, you know, I'm a big believer in fine margins or small fine margins. We call it in athletics, fine margins, because if we're making one cent incremental improvements every day, then we're going to become a bigger and better person. Do you know what I mean? So we're, if we're not making progress, then what are we doing? So mm. either, you're either moving forwards or you're moving backwards. You can't really stay the same can't stay the same you can't plateau you're even moving forwards and back but the only way that you can only move forwards and back is by taking action by executing by mm. being accountable for your actions um you know and again taking a step back and, and saying what what have i done to move towards my purpose what is it that i'm looking towards looking towards achieving my legacy what is my legacy mm. um of why i'm here it's it's looking at a much bigger picture because we all suffer from a lot of direction uh a loss of lo loss of purpose or whatever it might be but it's it's really asking really strong questions of yourself and this could be applied to organizations you know there is a lot of companies out there that have exactly the same thing they get lost they don't know why they exist and they just think that some sometimes they just kind of plod along and you know that's where insecurity comes in and uh, and that's where uh, people a lot of organizations and individuals that's where they begin to plateau and you know they begin to uh, go down that spiraling path which doesn't lead to a to a positive outcome yeah and I, and I like what you mentioned there that it's making yourself a better version of you not comparing to anything else but you know comparing yourself what you were yesterday today and all that sort of stuff is, is more helpful and and getting that real clarity on you know what you're here for what's the purpose what's your mission and i, I think that for me and I, I do a lot of work with clients on that really helps once you get that then you start to work out what are what are my goals? What, what am I going to do based on that direction? Mm. Where are we going to go with that? And I think that's us getting that grounding. Um, I want to just go back to a little bit on that aspect of where you found uh, the running really helped build confidence. And, mm. uh, and I just want to sort of probe a little bit. What, what was it about the running? And, and how did that start to, I guess, 
build that mental sort of res- resilience in you uh, mm-hmm. as a person. Well, as I mentioned to you, um, I was an asthma sufferer. <laughs> so getting into distance running probably wasn't the greatest idea in the world. Um, you know, we're all full of great ideas. That probably wasn't the smartest idea. Um, but <laughs> effectively, I remember when I first got started, I, um, I, 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 I didn't do particularly great. I literally found it even difficult to run 100 meters, let alone do distance running. And it really took um, a lot of tenacity uh, continue to to keep going. In a nutshell, I don't know. I don't know what it was that kind of kept me going, but I just kept on saying to myself, "Why not? Like, why can't you do this?" You know, I just mm. kept on asking specific questions around that. You know, give me a reason why you can't do it type of thing. I just kept on battling my inner critic more than anything else. And so then six months of training hard and making a lot of self-sacrifices. Um, after six months, uh, my asthma had disappeared, completely disappeared. And that was due to you running no medication as such. and No medication no medication it was literally what that's what they're saying is because i'm using my i'm increasing my lung capacity and i'm increasing oxygen and the way it flows um it's it it's just helped get rid of asthma completely um mm. and so once i i'd got rid of that and overcome my my asthma and stuff like that um i can then start to become stronger uh build up my endurance and um and again you know just kind of it helped me to give me a perspective of you know what i can do this i, I can do this whatever life throws it i can do this you know if an asthma lover can do it then i can do it so you know that was kind of like where it kind of started from um and that's where it that's where it really kind of started from and when you sort of reflect on your your life and you know you know what you've done obviously since then obviously you've built your own yeah. businesses in terms of um what you do and how you help other people um what 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 are the sort of daily habits and routines or practices that you've done you do now that helps continue to build that mental resilience uh, I'm, again i'm presuming you're doing it but I'm, I'm, again that's a presumptuous here uh, but what are the things <laughs> you're doing that will help you sort of maintain it because it, it's uh, something that continues to grow and i think resilience mm. is a like a muscle isn't it we've got to continue to stretch yeah. it build it and keep it active it is um i think uh, a few things really uh, you know it's really interesting you brought this up so i decided that this year i wanted to get myself completely out of my comfort zone so one of the things that if you really want to build mental resilience is that you have to prepare yourself to get yourself out of comfort zone. You have to do that because otherwise it's not going to work. Right. And it's like anything, if you're going to the gym for the first, second, third time, expect to have sore muscles after workout, you know, and you know, it's like anything. I remember when, um, when I was in a high sports performance, uh, coaching, and used to train uh, people that were preparing for events. And used to get them to do exercises, which they absolutely hated. And they hated it because they weren't very good at it. But after a, 
a few weeks, even a month, they could start to see those improvements. And because they started to see those improvements, they didn't hate it anymore because they were much better than they were when they first started. Hmm. Um, so this year I've decided to, I don't, if, I don't know if it was out of ego, but it, I really wanted to test my self-discipline. For me, one of the um, key skills, that I suppose, and habits that I had learned earlier on is the importance of self-discipline. Um, so this year I decided to, uh, in fact, only recently I booked to do an adventure race um, mm-hmm. in summer. And uh, what adventure racing is, it's a bit like triathlon, yet the activities are completely different. So adventure racing, Julian, is trail running it's mountain biking and it's kayaking mixed with orienteering so it is a bit of a a, a mixture and stuff like that um and i thought to myself you know what i see a piece of that um but i decided to enter at the master's level which means it's a six-hour race uh non-stop of course uh and it's going to happen in a couple of months now i believe that I can do this. Like my mindset is that I'm do do this. I don't have a choice now because I've entered it. Uh, whether my body tells me is a completely different thing, of course. Um, so I'm doing it p- because I need to prove to myself. But number one, I've still got it. And I know it sounds really ego driven, but I need to prove to myself to say that if I can do this, I can conquer anything. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter if I want to go to Everest or whatever it is. But I'm literally just proving to myself that. And, and, you know, through self-discipline, through um, accompli- accompli- achieving this uh, challenge and stuff like that, I can use my experience and apply it to my business and to the clients I work with. So, um, yeah, so it kind of gives you some context. Yeah, it, it sounds a, a, a quite a challenge. I mean, I've done, I've done triathlon and Ironmans before, um, and I've always thought about um, adventure racing. Because I, I used to do loads of kayaking when I was younger, and nice. I'm not the greatest of swimmers, you see. So I think kayaking to me is better yeah. than swimming. So um, agree. Um, but no, but it, it's there's something about that the mix of sports, uh, and it, and there's a lot to think about and a lot to sort of contain. What 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 do you th- what will be your mental sort of preparation for that? Because there is a physical aspect clearly, and I'm sure you're doing various physical training. Um, what, how are you preparing yourself mentally to? Because it's not just about the physical, and that, that it's the mental piece will get you to the, the finish line, won't it? Yeah, no, you're absolutely um, spot on there. Um, I think along with my preparation with regard to having positive self talk is very important, especially if you if you're going out and it's like, say, for example, you're due to do a training run. And um, it's really easy to shy away and think to yourself, oh, you know, it's raining today. Oh, skip training. Do you know what I mean? It's easy to, to be a cop-out. Mm. Um, it's easier when you've got an accountability buddy. Of course it is. It's easier because we push ourselves that little bit further. Um, but it, for me, is positive self-talk is really important. Yes, um, you can use affirmations as well if that works for you. Um, and again, a lot of sports psychologists um, use that and, you know, look at them. You look at yourself in the mirror and you, you're like, let's do this kind of like Rocky Balboa type of style. Um, <laughs> but also um, the other thing, the other reason why 
I, I'm actually going to probably do probably going to be raising money for charity as well. So, um, and that'll be towards um, uh, helping s- clean up our oceans. Mm. So there's a, there's a reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's not just for the, for the ego and testing my self-discipline. Mm. There's a bigger picture to it all. Um, and again, that kind of gives me the extra reason why it's worth it. Does that make sense? Mm. Um, so I, I, th- I feel for like, mentally um through the experiences that life experiences and what what i've been mm. through i'm pretty mentally prepared um up here because mm. i know i can do it I, i've done it before it hasn't i haven't done it for a while but i know i can do it mm. um but for the average joe blog um or joe public i would say you know certain certain habits such as you know affirmations uh even listening i used to listen to and still do actually on youtube if you type in the uh, the most uh, best motivational video ever and you'll get these like celebrities or athletes and stuff like that and they're like yeah you can do this type of thing you know and and, and do you know what it sounds really corny but you know i love that do you know what i mean i, I love that mm. it's kind of like a cheerleader um you know, even watch like maybe Jackie Chang or Bruce Lee type of thing. It's like, yeah, I can do this. I can dominate, you know? So it's, you know, it's trying to add, you know, positivity, but Mm. add that kind of fuel to say, you know what? I can do this. I know I can do this. Um, It's just, you've got to put the work in. Yeah. Interesting about the the watching things and hearing affirmation like that is really helpful because i think you can then you when you see something you believe you can do it as well it, it sort of opens up the possibility and uh, and i like that you mentioned that whole having a sense of meaning or purpose to why you're doing something and rooting that i, I recently coached uh, a lady uh, sally orange as a name uh, and she did seven marathons in seven days and seven continents and I, I really helped her with some mental hacks and resilience uh with that and one of the core things we, we did talk about was about uh getting rooted into the purpose and her bigger purpose is is all about mental um health and and talking about that and, and communicating that and that's why she does these crazy events and so she uses that so when so when you're struggling you use that as a, as a source of energy inspiration and it's bigger than the the race itself and the moment uh, and it, it's far more impactful um I'm sure at, at times you've had uh, this sort of failure along the way with all you've done, whether that's in racing or in, in business. Uh, just be understanding what, what's your perspective on failure and, and how do you use it as a help you to go forward, I guess, and, and understand, explore that a little bit. It's an interesting um viewpoint of of failure i um when i first got started i kind of mentioned when i first got into running for example i was a complete failure i can assure you even when i started competing at um you know uh, at higher standards whether it be county or national level the amount of times that i had i wouldn't quite say that i came last place but i was at the back of the pack should we say and again it what that does is it um is 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 it doesn't make you feel good because it's like well i'm gonna be lost or whatever it might be and 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 things like that but again it's those kind of experiences um i don't see things as failure whether it be in business um 
I have a slightly different viewpoint from when I was younger to to now. I see failure as a as a as an opportunity to learn. And what I mean by that is I've failed probably more times than I've succeeded. I'll be the first to put up my hand up and say that, you know, uh, whether it be in business, whether it be in athletics, it doesn't really matter. I would say that if I hadn't failed, there's no way I would be the person I am to for me today. Hmm. But also you you learn more from losing than you do from winning. Uh, and that's that can be applied any sport america football soccer whatever it is it doesn't really matter but you can learn so much from failure alone and uh, i use it as a as again i use it as experience but i also use as a what can i do to improve upon myself what 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 areas do i need to make improvements to so if in business for example you know if i failed at a particular task or whatever it might be I might ask questions such as, what can I do better next time? You know, well, why was it a failure? How, what am I comparing that to? Mm. You know, And what could I do next time if I was faced with a similar, similar uh, situation? So it's about asking specific types of questions and, and, and learning from those experiences so that we either are more prepared or more mm. resilient uh, next time or that we can maybe advise others that maybe going through the same experiences that you've been through. Mm. Yeah, I, I really like that. And I think it's, it's almost not dismissing failure, but reframing it a little bit. I, I tend to use the word, see it as feedback, really. It's using it as an opportunity to sort of, what can you learn? And I think that's the important thing. And I think you tapped into something in, important is to see failure as a learning opportunity. And as you say, we tend to learn more when we lose uh, in scenarios uh, obviously, we want to win occasionally as well, but um, of course, it's where you where you really do um, sort of learn, and I think it's important, and it it just sets the 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 mindset to more positive to looking for opportunities, looking for open ideas and ways of moving forward, rather than being stuck in the past and uh, beating ourselves up, and and it, it can be tough at times, uh, and the element of you know that emotional rah at first which is important to just get out your system uh, mm. but then again look for those opportunities and the wisdom in that um just uh, again we're just about to finish now so adam so just in terms of people want to connect with you want to get in touch with you what's the best way of doing that i think that probably the best way to contact me is uh is on linkedin um um, I'm very regular on LinkedIn, so you're welcome to follow me on LinkedIn and click the bell notification. If I post up content, then you'll get notification. And uh, yeah, um, you're welcome to check out my website, adamstrong.net. Feel free to reach out on there. And uh, yeah. Well, well, thank you for you coming on, uh, Adam. I really appreciate it and loved hearing your stories and inspiring us uh, with how you've overcome things and continue to do that. I uh, really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks a lot thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode if you like this episode then please rate review and share it with your friends and colleagues as a coaching practice i coach high performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions and i'll help you go beyond what you believe is possible if this sounds like you then let's have a conversation you can contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com. consulting.com